You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. So, yeah, thank you, Tom. Good to be here this morning. This is exciting. This is Harborside's first Christmas and first Christmas day. Harborside, would you believe, has only been a church for about three and a half months, and we're committed to growth. We're committed to growth in any way possible, and one of the best ways of doing that is by congregation members having babies. That's the best way to grow as a church, and we have our newest baby here this morning, little Oscar James Thomas. Is he nine days old? Nine days. Can we give it up for mum and dad and Oscar? We've got proud grandparents here. Don't we? It's fantastic. Little Oscar, nine days old, is that right? Oh, man. Go, go and give some love to, to Dinesh and Sam. They're doing so well for getting here this morning. Okay, let's do a little thing. Who is, who's been up since 7 o'clock this morning, particularly parents? Oh, my goodness. Well, you, well you've ruined the game now, Sophie. Who's been up since 7? Okay, keep your hand up. Who's been up since... I know, I know. You're my son. I know. Who, who's been up since 6 o'clock? Anybody? 6 o'clock? Okay, 5.45. 5.30, 5.15, what, 5 o'clock, quarter to 5, yeah, okay, Dave and Becky Babington, well, let's give them a round of applause, goodness gracious, well, I mean, that's, you know, some of us were here at our wonderful Champagne and Carols event, very Mossman event we did last night. Um, till about quarter to one. So anyway, this is going to be a short sermon so we can get, get back and have Christmas lunch and I'm looking forward to it. So Merry Christmas. Hey, can I share with you a bit of a, a not, maybe not my finest hour with you. Can I, can I be a little vulnerable here on Christmas morning? A few Christmases ago, I'll admit it, I gave my wife a truly average present. Some of you might know what that's like. Yeah, I did, Josh. I did. A truly average present. We, we were busy. I think we just had one of our children or we were busy moving or something like that. I went to the mall way too late. You know what it's like. It's overwhelming late in the season. And I just had this bright spark, although I thought it was a bright spark. I thought, I know, I'll get her something, which means she can get whatever she wants up to a certain price point. You know where I'm going with this. So on Christmas morning, my wife opened the envelope to find the dreaded gift voucher. Oh, the dread. It's controversial. A controversial gift. Now, the gift voucher apparently is okay for a secret Santa or maybe for a a distant, difficult-to-buy-for relative, but I'm told it's not okay for a spouse to give the other spouse a gift voucher. I'm told that. Now, why is that? Because, I hate to say it, it's... It kind of shows not much thought has gone into the gift. I mean, there are some cool gift vouchers, like restaurant vouchers. I love them, by the way. If you want to give me a gift, I love those. (laughs) Or there's those red balloon vouchers. But if you give someone a Westfield gift voucher, it's not a lot of thought goes into it, okay? So I I wasn't the favourite person in the house that year. So because I'm this person who's supposed to know her the best, right? I'm supposed to give her something that really suits her. So the next year, I wasn't going to get stung. Late October, I'm thinking about the Christmas present. I'm, put, I'm just thinking about it. I'm talking to friends of hers. I, 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 was, I was shopping pretty early, and I saw this beautiful painting. 
And my wife is an artist. She's got amazing eyes. She loves making spaces beautiful. I saw this beautiful painting. I thought, okay, this could be it. Now, paintings are subjective, right? Art's subjective. So I went out on a limb and I bought it and she loved it. Phew. It's sitting here in its pride of place in our living room. It's this beautiful picture. It, you see, it is. It's beautiful, beautiful plant. And thank goodness I absolutely, you know, I was in the good books that year. So, yeah, okay, Josh, thanks, buddy. Now, <laughs> he's too used to being here. It's his second home. Um, now, let me ask you a question. What do you think makes a great gift? It's a good day, good day to talk about it. What do you think makes a great gift? Can you remember just the best present you ever got? Can you remember the best present? I think what makes a really... Okay, Josh. I think what makes a really good gift is when the gift really suits you. Don't you reckon? You know, when it's just tailored to you, when it's catered to you, when you open it and you just, you think, oh, wow, that's, they really know me. Do you know what I mean? When you open a gift like that, that's what makes a good gift, I think. Now, conversely, what makes a bad gift? It's when I think the gift has very little to do with you. It's just, why did this person give me this gift? It's irrelevant to your life. It's like someone giving me a set of tools for Christmas. I mean, what am I going to do with a set of tools? If you know me, you'll know that's funny because I, I don't know nothing to do with tools. Well, this morning, let me state the obvious. We're here to celebrate Christmas together, aren't we? We're here to celebrate Christmas, and my job is to remind us that the baby in the manger is not just some nice little fairy tale or a story with a good moral or a good excuse for our kids to get dressed up as shepherds and angels, which they did a couple of days ago. All of that's great. But I'm here this morning to remind us that the baby in the manger is the greatest gift you or I could ever receive. That's the truth. Now, why is that? Because like any good gift that a loved one gives you or, you know, a friend, this gift really suits us. It caters to who we are as human beings. It's not like a bad gift that's irrelevant to our lives. It matches up with the deepest longings of our heart. Now, I know that's a big call, but that's one the baby in the manger can deliver on. We're going to have a quick look at that passage, just a small section of it that Kate read so well for us. You know the story, a bit of background. You know the story, right? Joseph and the very pregnant Mary have to go to the town of Joseph's birth because Caesar wants to see how big his empire is. So a census has been called. They go to Bethlehem, where Joseph's from. But guess what? So many people are there. There's no room at the inn. And so most likely, they have to go and stay in a stable. Or many Bible commentators think it's actually probably a cave, kind of a holiday cave where the animals live. Jesus is then born in the most humble of circumstances, wrapped in cloths and placed in a manger. Then the angel of the Lord shows up and tells this news to a bunch of shepherds. Here it is. Do not be afraid. I love it how that's the first thing an angel ever says because they're terrified. I'd be terrified if I met an angel as well. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now what's going on here? The angels say, I bring good news that will cause great joy. Why? Why is it good news? Why will it cause great joy? Because God has given his people the greatest gift that's ever been given. So this morning with our time left, we're just going to look at two things. What is this gift and why is it so great? I'm just going to dive in. Just look at these two little things briefly, the next 10 minutes or so. What is this gift? 
And why is it so great? So let's get going. What is this gift? We'll keep it real simple this morning. What is this gift? It is God himself. Let me ask you, have you ever really thought closely about the Christmas story? What is it? It's Jesus, God himself, the all-powerful creator of all things, the Bible says, who has no beginning and no end, becoming a baby. God puts human skin on, the one who flung stars into space, the one who held the sun in his hand, became a crying baby, dependent on his mother's milk to survive. When you think of it, it defies comprehension, doesn't it? See, this is the wonder of Christmas. Everyone talks about the wonder of Christmas. That's what it is. It's not opening presents. That's great. It's not the nostalgia you feel when you sing Christmas carols. That's great too. The wonder of Christmas is the author of life became human. In this act, we're able to see God. When I was young, um, my friends and I used to play lots of really stupid games. And one of the silliest ones, I do not try this, we used to see how long we could stare at the sun for without, you know, turning away. Who can do it the longest? That is literally the silliest game in the world. You might have thought I was stupid and now you know. Don't try it. But if you, if you ever have tried doing it, you do it for a very short... The, be, the best possible case scenario is it blurs your vision. Worst case, you do permanent damage to your eye. Right, it's, you, you can't do it. In order to be able to look at the sun, here it is, the great picture of the sun. In order to look at the sun and see these amazing flames, these solar flares, these spots, how do you do it? You can't do it with the naked eye. What do you need? You need a filter, don't you, to see the awesomeness of the sun. Astronomers, they use these fancy telescopes with these filters to enable them to study the sun because it is so incredibly powerful and bright. The Old Testament talks about God being a little bit like this, awesome, powerful, holy, glorious. We are unable to look at him. Jesus is the filter we need to see God. He is God with skin on, and through him we can see the God who many of us think might be out there. We just sung Hark the Herald Angels Sing. I love that carol. Check out these beautiful words. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Great lyrics. There's great theology written by Charles Wesley a couple of centuries ago. Veiled in flesh, Jesus put on flesh so that we can see him. In the Christmas story, that's what we celebrate. God becoming human, putting skin on so that we might see him, so that we might know him. Check out this last part of the passage. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So remember the shepherds have been told this is earth-shattering news, great joy for people everywhere. Then angels turn up and start singing, God has come to earth and the sign is tiny baby in a manger. This all-powerful God is to be found not as a king-like figure in a palace. It's what you'd expect, isn't it? But a helpless baby boy, born in a cave, lying in an animal feeding trough. That's what a manger is, lying in an animal feeding trough. So the gift is God himself, born to a teenage unmarried woman in some backwater town of the Roman Empire. And he does it all, here we go, leaving behind the treasures of heaven. Just think about that for a moment. He left all the benefits of heaven to become flesh and bone, 
with all its limitations. Now, how do we illustrate that? Well, let's have a think. Imagine this. Here's Donald Trump in all his glory. Good old Donald Trump. Now, imagine this. Donald Trump leaving the White House. Don't get too excited. I'm not prophesying anything. I'm just saying imagine Donald Trump leaving the White House, leaving all of the privileges and benefits of that position, shouldering a backpack, heading south, and joining the migration caravan, heading north. These people are immigrants seeking a better life north of the border. Imagine that. The American president leaving behind the White House, shouldering a backpack, identifying with these people. It's a preposterous thought, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's outrageous. Imagine our own Prime Minister Scott Morrison resigning and joining the asylum seekers on Nauru. What a crazy thought. Now, I'm not trying to make a political statement here. I'm trying to help us think about the enormity of what our great God has done. He didn't leave the White House. He didn't resign the, the political leadership of a, a, a political party. He gave up heaven. Why? He did it for you. That's our next point. Why is this gift so great? Because, excuse me, this brings us to our second one. Yeah, why is this the greatest gift? Because the baby in the manger, the Christmas story, it's actually a rescue story. It's actually a rescue story. The angels, check this out. The angels call Jesus a saviour. That's what the name Jesus means. I mean, it means God saves. It means rescuer. This gift is so great because at its heart, it is a rescue story. Now, you might be thinking, that's a nice thought, but I don't need a rescue. And the idea of being a saviour is nice, but I don't need that. And I can totally relate to that. Here at Moss from Cremorne, you know, this lower North Shore, we're self-sufficient people, aren't we? We pride ourselves in that, and I'm part of that. I'm from this area. I get that. Self-sufficient people. But if we're truly honest with ourselves, and it's a good time of year to be that, we're truly honest with ourselves, we realize that we don't measure up. With God's standards or even our own, think about the expectations we put on other people. Do we measure up to them if we're honest? Truth is, there's a great gap between God and us. And if it were left to us to bridge it, we'd be stuck on the other side. Martin Luther knew this all too well. I'm reading a biography of his life. I'm really enjoying at the moment learning more about him. And he knew this all too well. He's one of the fathers of the Reformation, right? a titan of history. Before that, though, he was a simple monk. At the age of 22, he became an Augustinian monk. He wanted to be close to God. He wanted to be close to God. And so he absolutely worked his tail off trying to be the best monk he could. He studied. He, he got up at all hours of the night and praying and serving. He used to confess his sin to his senior priest, sometimes for six hours on end, trying to find just the, the tiny sins to, and he used to just, he's the senior priest, used to just lose his mind. He'd had enough of it. He read and he preached and he lectured and finally it came to this crisis point in his life when he realized all he was doing was not helping him get close to God. He said, all, all of my confessing, all my good deeds, all my academic works, it takes me to the, to the mountaintop of achievement. But when I get there, I do not see God. I just see more blue sky. I cannot reach him on my own. He famously said, if we were to see God, he would have to condescend to us. 
And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. God coming to us. We cannot make it to him, but God comes to us. This is utterly unique among the faith systems, the religions of the world. Many men wanted to become God, but only one God became a man. Let me finish with this. Have you ever seen um, the show Undercover Boss? Have you ever seen it? It's a great show. There's an Australian version, an American version. It's always a tearjerker when you watch this. It's a great show. Now, if you don't know it, the premise of the show is every episode they take a new company. They take the CEO of that company and they, they get them to, you know, disguise them and they secretly enter into their own company as a bottom-of-the-rung employee for a week or a couple of weeks or something like that. And they experience what it's like to be an employee in their own company. And often it's very confronting because they're far removed from the, the workings of their company. And it's often, you know, a very impactful experience for the boss. Now, while they're doing this, they often meet some pretty hard-done-by folks. And in this episode I saw recently, it's no exception, right? Here is Mitchell Modell. That terrible moustache is an attempt at a, at a disguise. Um, he's CEO of Modell Sporting Goods. Now, in his training, he meets Angel. It's a real character. You know, she is the bot- a bottom-level sales associate who's really great at her job. She's great at it, and she helps train him. He's Joey, you know, a new employee, and she's really kind to him, and it tracks how he's doing, and she's very kind to him, and taking him under her wing, it's really this kind of funny, topsy-turvy experience. But she's had a tough life, and as they get to know each other, she sort of, you know, just casually shares with her, him about it. She's a single mum with three very young kids, and uh, she can't afford to live in a regular place, so she's actually been in a homeless shelter for two years, and Mitchell, right, he's undercover as Joey, the, the new sort of employee. I mean, he's, he's tearing up as she shares about her experience because he doesn't pay her enough for her to live in a regular place. It's very confronting for him. Fast forward to the end of the episode and Joey is revealed to Angel, not as the bumbling new employee, but Mitchell Modell, the CEO of the entire company. She's like, hang on, I thought you were Joey. I was training you. It's this kind of cool reveal, right? And through tears, he tells Angel that he's amazed at her work ethic. You know, he's been very moved by her story. He promotes her to a senior sales associate role with a big raise, and she's overwhelmed. There she is. They're embracing in the episode. But that's not enough. He then says, I cannot have you going back to that homeless shelter for one more night. So he produces a check from his pocket for $250,000 and access to his financial advisor to get their own accommodation. It's a a great episode, very tear-jerking. Not like me to ever cry, by the way, but of course I'm tearing up. What's happened here? Mitchell, the CEO, he gave up his corner office, right? Became a lowly entry-level worker, was trained by people on minimum wage and experienced what life was like for a bottom-of-the-rung retail worker. He meets Angel, learns about her tough life, and decides to do something about it at his own expense. He gives her what she desperately needs to take care of her family. At Christmas, we celebrate this story times infinity. The God of the universe gave up everything, gave up heaven, to enter into our story, he condescends to us, becomes one of us to seek 
and to save us and to give our hearts what we truly, truly long for. Because the truth is we all long for lasting peace. We all long for real and tangible hope. We are bursting for genuine joy and we ache for true love. Let me finish with this. As you hopefully enjoy some time off this Christmas, gosh, we're busy people around here, and I really hope that you enjoy some time off and relax. That's why we're not meeting on the 30th of December. As Sean said, we're practicing working and resting. That is you experience some time off and some rest. Let me ask you to remember that you have been given the greatest gift, the greatest peace, a promise of real rest for the weary. As you tear into Christmas presents and hope for good ones, hopefully no gift vouchers, let me ask you to remember the real hope that Jesus came to bring, a lasting hope, a real hope for the future. As you feast around the Christmas table with good food and good wine and food comas, that's what Christmas is all about. And let me ask you to remember that's joy. But let me ask you to remember the true joy that Christ came to bring, one that can never be taken from us. And as I pray that you experience the love of friends and family today and around this time of year, can I ask you to remember the very definition of true love, one that left heaven, became a man and would ultimately give his life for you. That's true love. And that is worth celebrating. Merry Christmas. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We want to have fun with our family. We want to enjoy presents and time with our kids, all that kind of good stuff. But Lord God, ultimately, we want to remember what you've done for us in Jesus. You gave up all the benefits of heaven, Jesus, to become one of us, to identify with us, to live the perfect life we couldn't live, to die the death we deserved, and to rise again to prove that you are the king of the universe and you are worthy of all our praise and honour. We love you and we thank you for this lovely time of year. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>